Old OTP Volunteer Table. I'm Don Kuehlhorn. The Old Town Playhouse is in the business of producing plays from September through May. Generally, the summer months we take off. We have uh, young company camps, but other than that, we're, there's no theater in town, save for the Riverside Shakespeare, which is a, a Shakespeare experience out in public parks. Our chat today is with Jill Beauchamp. Besides being an Old Town Playhouse member, she is also uh, an organizer and one of the beginning founding members of the Riverside Shakespeare Group. So let's chat with Jill and find out all about her Old Town Playhouse experiences and Riverside Shakespeare. But Jill Beauchamp, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today. You are welcome. I'm happy to be here. Good. Good. Back on Main Stage. You haven't been here in quite a while. Um, I been, think 2016. Yeah, you've been busy doing life. Now life gets in the, in the way, doesn't it? Well, and you have to get cast when you audition, oh, too. Oh, yeah, casting. Yeah, mm -hmm. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. So tell me, how did you get started at the Playhouse? When I moved here in 1982 to town, um, Pretty much first thing I did, we moved here in June of 82. I'd say August of 82, Mike Nunn was having auditions for the Mikado. And I came in audition, didn't get in it. Not really a musical. I don't have a great voice, All but right. I love musicals. Um, so I did makeup for that show. And then I auditioned for the next show, which was Uncommon Women and Others, di directed by Diane Hubert and got cast with a bunch of women who are, you know, Anne Marie Oman, Jeanette Mason, people who are, you know, still Names. in my life to this day. Right. Nancy Sundstrom, who unfortunately is no longer here, but Delphine Welch. I mean, it, it was a great introduction to the Playhouse. That was a studio theater back when. When studio was done. When studio was really studio. Part yeah. of that rehearsal period, I remember. Um, Diane Hubert and I meeting like on a Saturday and sewing black curtains for down there. Mm -hmm. um, and I did a couple more shows that year, uh, you know, within the first year of being here. Uh, um, Chicago being in the spring of 83 where I met Brian Dungeon and Pauline Tyre directed that. Um, who else was in that? Carlene Saints, do you know that name? Mm -hmm. Nancy Sundstrom was in it. Um, some people who are long gone from the area, Sylvia Bechtelheimer and Arnie Webster. Unfortunately, Arnie Webster's also gone from the earth. Um, so that was a pretty good year, my first year being here, but I was, I hadn't found a teaching job. I was, you know, I needed something right. to fill the, I was working at a printer's and pretty mindless work, needed something right. to fill my time. So did you have a history before of theater? Yeah. Did you I have training? A, yeah. I have, um, I did theater at, all through high school and we had a great program. We got to direct, we got to do all sorts of things. I was in um, straight plays, musicals. We did stuff year-round, or not not in the summer, obviously, but mm -hmm. we did stuff all the time during the school year. It was, it was a pretty great program. So I went to Eastern and got my degree in um, 
speech and dramatic arts and a teaching certificate. And so I had that theater background. I like to say I've been directing since I was 15. Okay. And I also, uh, probably sophomore year in high school, became involved in the community theater. I was Detroit area, I grew up. Uh, became involved in uh, the community theater there. We had a children's theater called Ragamuffins, and I even got to direct there. That was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. I was a Mad Hatter at age 15 in at the children's theater there, the Ragamuffins. I was in, this is a bad one really, I was a Hollywood blonde in Gypsy at about age 17, <laughs> where we wore these... Um, body stockings that to make you look like you were nude and right. just had a few flowers here and there and I was a little young for that but you know how community theater works you got to do what you got to yeah, do that's right you got to be that's there right. so you're an actress kind of you're yeah. not a vocalist kind of I've done a few musicals but again it's not you know I mean I'm never going to be the lead right do you which do you uh do you prefer? Are you? Are you? Are you? Would you? Would you lean towards uh, acting, directing, costumes? What? What's your real focus? Well, I really kind of think of myself as a director, but that's because I did so much of that with my teaching. You know, I would direct a couple productions a year through a lot of years of teaching. Um, but I love acting. To, especially after being a director so much when you're acting it's kind of like oh this is a relief all I have to think about <laughs> is me and what I have to do and this is actually fun and directing is fun but it can be as you know it can be grueling and a little uh, sleep deprivation when it wakes you up in the middle of the night trying to figure out how am I gonna make that happen on stage what do we need to do to make that work too many times, especially when I was teaching high school and had no tech help, mm -hmm. and it was like up to me to solve the problems all the time. So I love to direct, but it, it also can it can be a, seem like a job, right? Because it was so much for me, um, and so acting to me is a little more escape and fun and vacation. I kind of imagine, I know we talked with David Curtis once who went to New York and quote unquote did still the show. Living. He's, yeah, he's, he's still on there and now it's, yeah. um, it's his job. And you brought up the interesting thing that it's, it's, it becomes more like a job if, it, if you have hardships. Um, I, I, just, I just wonder where the, uh, why is it not a job? What, what kind of makes it um, fun for you? Well, it is more fun at the Old Town Playhouse to direct because you get a bunch of people to support you in that role as a director. Mm -hmm. You get a producer, you get someone else to worry about the stage design, um, though I have a tendency because I had to do all that myself for so many years that I usually come into a show with the idea in mind and hope that designer will be able to make my vision. Well, I mean, that's what it's all about, but right. still it's easier when you're designing it and building it and doing it all that your vision comes out. But but it's easier here to have all those people helping you. Mm -hmm. And uh, it does make it a lot more fun, I think, right. to have that whole crew. 
I guess when you're working, when it, when it becomes work, it's when it has to be done and you have to do it and there's nobody else to turn to. Mm -hmm. And then it's fun when, when the collaborative effort and your imagination yep. can do where it, go where it needs to go. And let someone else carry that vision right. out on, on the set, set and in the costumes. And What happens when you have your vision of the set? You, you read the script and you visualize where people are going to have to move to talk with each other. And then your set designer comes in with something that doesn't work. Has that ever happened to you? Not really, because I tend to bring in a set designer, like if I'm directing here, early. Mm -hmm. And I like to be co collaborative. And so I tell them what I absolutely must have. and tend to let that creativity flow. I mean, if you're lucky enough to get a Stash design my set for um, Noises Off, I mean, that was an amazing set. Right. And all I said was, do you think we can do, it, it might have been one of the first times here on, because it was 1990, do you think we can have a um, turntable set turn table, yeah. because you have to have backstage for the second act? And how how can we do that? And we talked different ways, and he just said, I think I can make a turntable work. Because, you know, the other way is to make it a set that you pick up and mm -hmm. move yourself. But he made it work. It was a gorgeous set. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of it. but I was here then. Okay. Sorry. I, can, I watched it. <laughs> I, I don't know. remember who all. I know. It's hard to what remember. What was amazing about that is um, Brian Dungeon and Bill Dungeon pushing it to turn the turntable at you know for second act and for and for third act turning it back and getting applause right. every time right. they were in Texas that helped but still it you know it was a pretty big feat for this playhouse I think right. at that time and that was such a beautiful set and I even brought in furniture from home I had some antiques and um, kind of to make it look like that old English manor and I still look back on that. It was probably one of my favorite shows ever, you know, here or anywhere. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to have Michael K. Stosh, we called him. And um, I don't know who did, who did lighting. Did you do lighting? No, I don't okay. think I did light. I can't remember who did light. Because I know we had to have some special light. Maybe Steve Morse, because somebody... Tried to, still I believe, mount the lights um, in such a way that if they were turned on for too long of a time, they would have caused a fire hazard. Oh. There was a there was an issue about that. I remember that. Oh, Steve Morse, you said. Yeah, Steve Morse. I yeah. was thinking Steve Stafford. No, no. Um, it could have been. Boy, I, yeah. I'd have to look up, and I might have a program at home. Well, I have to look it up. I don't know if it's on the uh, archive or not. It was one of the shows Probably that I'm is. sure I archived. Yes, I'm sure uh, it is. But it uh, that was a that was a a cool set. I remember seeing it, and Stash was a wizard. Mm -hmm. He did some amazing mm -hmm. stuff, especially on this unlevel floor that mm -hmm. we had. Of course, it wasn't extended at the time. Mm. We didn't have the thrust as far out as it is Probably now. Probably so. not. No, you're right. It was a, it was a different stage mm -hmm. setup that we mm -hmm. had here. Still not a, a level stage whatsoever. So what kind, of, what kind of directing do you do? What kind of a director are you? Hands-on, minutiae, micromanage? No, 
um, collab very collaborative. I um, expect my actors to bring something to the role, and so I I I have ideas of what I want. I I tend to say my strength is casting the right person and letting them run with it, mm -hmm. because you know if they don't have anything to bring to it, you can direct them to where to lift their pinky and it's going to not be a great performance. So I tend to I tend to be able to to cast well. I think mm -hmm. that's that's what I've always said is my strength and then let that talent run its course. Um, I like to again, I usually have a real vision about what costumes should look like and what what the set ultimately should look like, but um, I love to let people use their creative process. Mm -hmm. I tend to also expect, and I let, I've learned over the years, especially with directing high school kids, that I expect the, um, the group to work together. I don't care who's the lead. I don't care who has the smallest part. They're all important, and they need to mesh. We're one big happy family, or we don't function very well. Right. And um, so I make that pretty clear to try to clear out some of the personality conflicts. We can't get those issues going. Mm -hmm. A lot of oh, people yeah. who somehow think it's my show, I'll right. do what I want. And How do you manage that? Or do, how, how do you get a, a performer to give over their ego? And that's generally what it is, an ego trip. It is. How do you, how do, you do <laughs> well, that? Well, again, um, I, I make it clear at auditions what I'm looking for. I'm looking for team players. I'm looking, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I tell them, check the drama at the door. The drama should only be on stage, uh, not in the dressing rooms and not with the costumer. Um, you know, we, we know some of those actors that give the costumer a hard time, things like mm -hmm. that. Um, I also think it, as a director and it was my strength as a teacher that relationships are my my um, strength and so that if I can build a relationship with that person I can usually get them to put their ego aside doesn't mean that I haven't had issues um, you know with with actors but but in general I find I can if I cast it right and I let them know my expectations early right. on as as you know it's it's all of us, not just you, that I can minimize that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, along that vein, what kind, of a, what kind of an actor do you look for when, when auditioning? Auditioning is that weird place where that's the only place you're really judged. And do you tell your auditioners what you expect of them? Do you expect say the new people to to know something not necessarily uh, you know I'm looking for what kind of chemistry happens between actors and auditions and what kind of reading I can get from them because even a cold read gives you a pretty good idea of, mm -hmm. of a spark there or not <laughs> um, 
I lost your question. But, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we've had that happen more than yeah. once. Even me, I get that's part of where I am right now. Uh, when you're when you're dealing with new auditioners, oh, right, right, new people. Mm. I love to get new people on the stage mm -hmm. because it again goes back to my teaching. I love to, <clears throat> especially people who've like never done theater. You know, I like right. to see them blossom. It doesn't always happen, but I like to give them a chance. And, and it's so exciting when you feel like, you know, I mean, they're your kid. You just, even if they're older than you, you know, you just help them uh, have this experience right. that uh, they've never done before. Um, Bernadette Grappuso mm -hmm. came to Riverside Shakespeare, her first thing ever. And she didn't want lines, and Guy cast her, and we did um, Twelfth Night. Were you in Twelfth Night? No. Okay. I didn't think so, but I... I, I had just a few, just <laughs> yes. a few on that. Um, but, uh, you know, look where she's grown from there. Right. And that was pretty exciting. And, I mean, I didn't direct her, but still just the fact that um, I like to think I made her feel welcome and made her want to come back and exactly. and then she went within a few years to getting leads at the playhouse right and that uh, is a nice segue into Riverside Shakespeare <laughs> that's something that you started while you were still part of part of the playhouse while you were still at the playhouse I don't yep. know that there's a part of the playhouse yep. but it's 2000 that. and what what motivated you to to start Riverside Shakespeare? Brian Dungeon. Okay. It was his brainchild. It was his idea. I, I believe it was January of 2000. He said, let's do lunch. I got an idea. And, um, you know, I'd known him since 83 when sure. we were in Chorus Line, to get, Chorus Line, Chicago together. And um, he, uh, he, broached this idea to me and we spent a couple months trying to figure out the how we could make this happen mm -hmm. uh, I got we got really lucky in the beginning because what's now Crooked Tree Art Center was Traverse City His Heritage maybe I can't remember but it was a history center but right. slightly different and the person running that was great I went to her and she gave us all sorts of advice about how how to CYA, you know, make sure we didn't right. run into problems. She let us have, so for the first several years, we had the lower part of that building for dressing rooms, and we were able to store all of our props and things in there while we were performing, just during those performing weeks. And she was, she was a gold mine, unfortunately, Within a few years, they replaced her with someone else, and then they started charging us, and things changed mm -hmm. over there, and eventually we became more independent outside. But she was great. She helped us figure out what we were doing, and our first application to use Hannah Park was, I mean, we had everything covered. We're and if you remember back then, because you were in, right. you were in the first. I think you were in As You'd Like It, which was our third right. year. Yep. Um, we had, when we turned in our application, we had things like, we're going to have staff that make sure people stay out of the river and no alcohol is allowed because no alcohol is allowed in the park. We, we had it so 
you know, covered everything. And we did for the first few years have staff and had people that had T-shirts that said staff. And eventually we realized we didn't need all that. It was pretty, you know, we never had problems. Right. And so we became less and less concerned about that and they still let us perform in Hannah Park and <laughs> and let's talk about what it is we haven't we're talking about okay, Riverside yeah, Shakespeare but we're we're really just a Shakespeare dancing play. around yep. it what was it performing a Shakespeare play outside without tech um, in in the park right. trying to sort of recreate the way it was originally now actually he was in a building but it was a open air building um, Shakespeare's performances were so and they obviously didn't have you know sound systems and lighting so we performed during daylight hours <laughs> we started by performing at noon or two in the afternoon it was too hot right. we finally moved it back and figured out evening was better it took us a few years but um, free to the public we we asked for donations at our performances and we usually get some pretty nice response but we talked about from the very beginning we wanted to to um, make it accessible for everyone so that students college students high school students wouldn't say oh I can't afford whatever and not come we wanted them to come and if they had nothing to put in the donation box no problem we wanted it to be for for everyone mm -hmm. um, and we used a lot of Old Town Playhouse veterans newbies at the time, I was teaching at NMC when we first started, and so some of my students were in the first few years. Even later, because I was teaching at Sutton's Bay after that, after a couple years, uh, Sutton's Bay students sometimes came and, and were part of it. Um, we started as a tent or two tents uh, on the as the dressing room backdrop for right. the presentation. Right. And then um, we started moving it. You started, you went on the road. As yeah, it after a few years, um, I think our first on the road was Sutton's Bay on the beach, which was very interesting, performing in sand. Mm -hmm. Then we moved to a park in Sutton's Bay the next year. But we also, um, out at Crystal Mountain Art Park, we had to climb up the, <laughs> the side of the hill to this little, they had a little pavilion, very little one. Um, we did that for a few years. We have performed in Fife Lake, Kalkaska, Elk Rapids we added pretty early and um, were 2019 obviously was the last time we performed because 2020 COVID. didn't happen. Um, but we were performing in Elk Rapids for quite a few years. Um, Glen Arbor a few years we did. The, outside the old arts building in Leland we added um, Northport because Scott lives up there and we added right near the marina mm -hmm. um, and so we've taken it on the road a lot of places we pared it down the last few years to going to Elk Rapids, Leland and Sutton's Bay um, one performance each right. of those venues right. just because we were looking at oh not Sutton's Bay Northport we were looking at like we were doing at one point Sutton's Bay Leland, Glen Arbor, and Northport, and getting kind of small audiences, and we thought, well, let's just take a couple of those right. venues and get better. Close them together. Yeah, and so that worked out. So this year, your uh, auditions for The Tempest, I still think COVID is still yep. holding a lot of people yep. out from doing anything. I, I question whether they would come 
even in an open venue, but then we're getting vaccinated and stuff. But right. So what's the what's the plan for this year? You didn't have the the I, huge draw. Of no, people. we didn't. But two things. I retired from Riverside in 2000, ah. after 2019. I did my swan song with Much Ado. I played Dogberry. Nice. Had a riot. So much fun. That's a good role. Yeah, it was. Um, and we did it in the 70s, and I was um, slicked back there. It was fun. <laughs> Mustache. It, it was a lot of fun. Right. Um, so I retired because that was 20 years, and I had spent 20 summers, and... I just was ready to, Enough. you know, most of those summers I acted, but I was also a producer. So right. I was responsible for getting a lot of things like marketing and what what are we going to do for costumes? What are we going to do for props? You know, where are we going? Applying to all those places, you know. It, mm -hmm. And summers, there's so much more you can be doing yes, in the summers. Really. Yeah. That's an so, amazing thing. Yes. Yeah, so Brian and Michelle have basically taken it over. And um, I guess I, you know, Brian and I talked about it some. So he had a few of the usual suspects auditioned, but mm -hmm. not enough to cast the show. So what they're planning to do is do a little showcase. Showcase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know beyond that because that was the last I heard. Well, last question, and then we're wrapping this thing up. Okay. Um, are you coming back to the Playhouse? You're going to be able to audition this year? What you, what's your what's Well, your I was just in that podcast um, comedy series that, oh, yeah. that Phil and Annie wrote. That was a lot right. of fun. We were all just so excited to be doing theater of any kind. Um, that was a pretty big cast. That was a lot of fun. Right. And... Um, yeah, I probably will. I it I think I'm not. It's not 100 percent, but um, I do hear Brian is directing Godspell, and I'm going to produce right. for him, oh, nice. just as a, a, something to do to be involved. But sure. I'm a, I'm the detail oriented, get her done type. So being a producer is good. You know, I know okay. how to prod people and get things done. So. Well, thanks, Jill. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you so much for giving me some of your time, and we'll see you around here because uh, I'll be around as well. Good. I probably won't be in Godspell, but no, there it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. Thank you. Well, that's it for another episode of OTP Volunteer Table. My thanks once again to Jill Beauchamp for giving us some of her time to talk about the Old Town Playhouse experience and the Riverside Shakespeare. This week, June 6th, of 2021, we have auditions coming on Monday and Tuesday. It's Hate Mail, directed by Don Kuhlhorn, and it's a comedy for two people. It's going to be very funny. On the 12th, which is Saturday, we have our last cleaning beat, 10 a.m. at the stage door. Monday the 14th, the tent goes up in the parking lot for our tent theater under the tent series, and the first production in that tent is on Thursday the 17th, it's the band Bobosa. Be sure to tune in to The Stage of Fools. It's an online podcast written by Annie Goodman, Phil Murphy, with help from Mike Spry. It's a comedy about theater in nine act. Today's music is Talkies by Hama Hama. OTP Volunteer Table was produced in association with the Old Town Playhouse of Traverse City, Michigan. If you have any questions, concerns, 
would like to hear more about somebody or you'd like to tell your own story, send an email off to office at oldtownplayhouse.com. That's one word, office at oldtownplayhouse.com. This is the OTP Volunteer Table. I am the Don Kuhlhorn, and we'll see you on the boards.